how to understand the will of God in one easy step. This morning, we saw that that one step, and some would question whether or not it's easy, is that we need to once and for all offer ourselves as a living sacrifice to God. We emphasize the fact that the Greek brings out the truth that this is a once-for-all act. Once you do it, you cannot take it back. Once you give yourself to God, you are God. You belong to Him. That means anything you do that is not honoring or pleasing to Him is sin. You're using what belongs to Him to do things that He's not honored by or pleased with. Now, we want to go on a little further tonight by asking and seeking to answer the question, how do we keep the fires burning once we have made the once-for-all sacrificial commitment? As Romans 12, 1 and 2 describes for us. Look at the verse again. You have it in your Bibles, of course, and I wish you would turn to it. But on the screen, we saw it today. We want to show it again because we want the Word of God to be burned into your heart, into your soul. This is the seed here, the Word of God, the seed of the Word of God, so it could find place in our hearts to bring forth fruit. Therefore, Paul says, I exhort you, brothers and sisters. That's us. He's talking to believers. Paul could command us to do this. He had the apostolic authority to do so. But he's doing it as a brother. He's exhorting us. He's encouraging us. I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, because of what God has done for us, to present your bodies, to offer your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable or intelligent act of worship, is the real literal translation here. Because service, the word for service means worship, uh, actions in worship. Now, the question then comes if we made that presentation, and I trust my prayer is that all of us here have done that. How is this one-time offering to be sustained and kept alive? Paul gives us the answer to that very specifically, very clearly, in the previous chapter in the book of Romans, that's Romans chapter 6. And we mentioned this verse some time ago as well, but it's all tied into this truth. Notice what it says, verse 13. Please read that passage along with me. Turn to it in your Bibles, but read it from the screen as well. as This is from the New American Standard Bible. Verse 13. Let's read that together, please. Do not... I want you to see the present continuous tense in this passage. Do not go on offering. It's a practice we have to stop. Paul is implying that that's what has been happening. We have been offering the members of our bodies as instruments of unrighteousness. Paul says you've got to stop this practice. 
Now that we have become new creatures in Christ, now that we have new life, we have got to stop doing what we did before. Notice, we have to do it. Paul doesn't say here the Holy Spirit is going to do it. Now, he's going to enable us and empower us to do it, but we've got to make the decision to do it. We have to do it. It's not going to be done for us, although it will be done by the power of the Holy Spirit. We still have to make the choice whether or not to do it. And you see, that's where the tie hits the road, just like Craig was saying. We might be aware of some of these truths, but that's not sufficient. James says we are to be hearers of, not only to be hearers of the word, but what? Doers. Otherwise, we delude home. Who do we delude? Ourselves. We are fooling ourselves. If we think that just hearing the word is enough, that's sufficient. Now, it begins there, but it doesn't end there. It's those, James says, who do the word that are blessed. What then are we to be doing with the parts of the, our body as mentioned here? Notice he says, And always be offering the parts of your body to him as instruments of righteousness. How do we do this? Again, Paul is very specific. Notice what he says. Always be offering yourselves to God. The King James Version says, Go on presenting your members as instruments of righteousness. It's an ongoing thing. We are to be doing it all the time. Now that's in contrast to the once for all offering of ourselves. This is the way it is kept going. Now we deal with the actual, individual, specific parts of our body. And so when you sit down before the TV, you say, Lord, I present to you my eyes. Let them be used as instruments of righteousness. Now, if you do that every time you sit down and watch TV, will it make a difference to what you watch? You're sitting around with people, with friends. You want to have conversation. And you know some gossip is going on. But suppose you say, now, Lord, here's my ears. I offer them to you as instruments of righteousness. Help me just to listen to things that honor and glorify you. Do you think you can listen to gossip? Or dirty jokes? Off-color jokes? Christians like to call that, you no know, off-color jokes. That's where they, they don't listen to bad jokes, just off-color. He's talking about individual parts of your body. And you, we are to offer these to God on an ongoing basis every time. Lord, I offer you my feet. That means I'm going to watch where I go with these feet. I offer you my mind. 
that'll dictate what I read, what I think about. That's how we sustain this once-for-all offering. On a day-by-day basis, when we find ourselves surrounded with the crush of the pressure of the world to conform us to its likeness, to its image, we're saying, no, I'm going to resist. I'm not going to listen. I'm not going to look at. I'm not going to see. I'm not going to go to these places that I know are dishonoring to God. That's what we do if we are living sacrifices. The point Paul is making here is that on a daily, ongoing basis, we are to be presenting or offering us every member of our body as a thanksgiving offering to God for what he has done for us. Every part of our body is to be used for his purpose and for his glory and not ours. This is to be a way of life for us as living sacrifices. It's like saying, Lord, this morning I presented myself to you as a lifelong sacrifice. I have put my hand to that plow. And God, with your help, I will not turn back. I will not come down from the altar. And I will renew and acknowledge that once for all act on a daily basis by committing every member of my body to you during the day, during the evening, at all times for your glory and your honor. I live for you and for you alone, not for myself or my old master, Satan. Lord, use me in any way you like. These are your members. I am not my own. I've been bought with a price, the precious blood of Jesus Christ. This, my friend, is how we live the resurrected life of Christ. This is how we maintain the once for all offering of ourselves to him. Listen to Paul once again. Romans chapter 6, verse 2. We died to sin. We spoke about that some time ago, so we won't dwell on that this evening. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized, identified into Christ Jesus, were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. Do you see that phrase, that last phrase? We too. We too. Who is the two? Or who is the two relate to? Jesus Christ. He was raised to a new life. What kind of life? A resurrected life that was only to be lived to God. Apart from sin. We too have been raised to that same kind of life. I believe this is one of the most neglected truths in the word of God by believers. We do not know or appreciate the life we have in Christ. It is a resurrected life. It is a life that is to be lived to God and to God alone. And it can be done. It must be done. I say again, 
and maybe is my old age. I am more and more puzzled and amazed as the apparent shallowness of believers to grasp the truth of scriptures. It's even as though we don't care about it. Be a Christian, yeah, that means I go to heaven. That's what not being Christian is all about. That's not what it's all about. Our lifestyle is to be one that shows, reflects the resurrected life of Jesus Christ. Notice verse 5. If we have been united with him, like this in his death, and we were, we are united with him, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Now, more often than not, when Christians go to this verse and they see that united with him in resurrection, right away we think about something coming in the years to come when our bodies are going to be raised. That's not what it's talking about. This resurrection that is being spoken about here is a resurrection of new life right now, today, this very instant. This has nothing to come in the future. This is what has happened because of our relationship with Jesus Christ. Not only have we been united in his death, but we've been united in his resurrection. We can explain he we were also. That's Paul's point. We are united to his resurrected life and power over sin right now. Believers, please, let that settle in your heart right now. Ask God the Spirit to make that truth alive to you. We are united to the resurrected life and power of Jesus Christ right now. Now, that doesn't change your attitude the way you live. I don't know what can or will. Because this is a life changing truth that Jesus Christ brought into being an entirely new sphere of spiritual living for the believer as well as himself there's another important truth I don't want you to miss it the body that we present is a body alive from the dead it is a body alive from the dead that we are to present to God. Notice now, Jesus was raised, right? Bodily. That body is living now just for the praise and honor of God. Christians, saved, redeemed, regenerated in the spirit. Now we have privilege of offering this body to God as a living sacrifice our body hasn't been changed or transformed yet like Jesus eyes that's why we need to really tap into his resurrecting power because that's the only thing that control what this body does you see left within this flesh of ours, this physical body of ours, are the remnants of the old master Satan. They're still there. 
they shouldn't have any control over us. But sometimes we feel the twits. We don't need to respond because of the resurrected power of Christ. Because they know I'm dead to that impulse. I don't have to respond to that. Notice, sin can only bear its fruit if we respond to the temptations that come along. If we don't respond, then we don't sin. Temptation itself is not sin. What causes the unregenerate to sin is because within him there's something like a magnet that pulls to that temptation that comes to the world, the flesh, and the devil. They can't stop it. They can't stop it. But the believer can. Because our identification with Christ has demagnetized that pull within us. Do you understand what I'm saying? We don't have to do it. We don't have to respond. We have the power of the resurrected Christ. But we must lay a hold of it on a daily, ongoing basis. Because the pull, the struggle is still felt. But it doesn't have to be yielded to. And so this new, made alive, living body is to be reserved, set apart to do God's will at all times. All times. Satan, the old master, sin principle within us, has no dominion over us any longer. There's someone else who's ruling over us now, and that's Jesus Christ. And so this body is to be dedicated completely and permanently to living out God's will in this new life. That's what it means to live wisely. That's what it means to do the will of God. And that's the only way God's will will be realized in our lives. If we are always continually offering members of our bodies as instruments of righteousness. This is what we sin through. But we have control if we realize that we have been united, infused with the power of the resurrected Christ himself. What a glorious truth that is. Amen? You see, this is what I call ongoing consecration. Consecration isn't something you just do once and you forget about it. No, it's something that we keep doing by working out the details. Yes, we present our entire selves. But now on a day-by-day -day basis, whenever we become involved in all of the activities of life and so on, we continually dedicate each part, every member of our body, for righteousness' sake. I call this ongoing consecration or ongoing sanctification, if you wish. The act of sacrificial consecration is not a mere outward act of religious ritualism done in a mere mechanical sense. See, this is one reason I, uh, this morning when I ask you to respond, you know I don't do that too often. 
Do I? Because you see, too many people have come to a point, but once I get up and walk forward, I okay. Thinking that the getting up, the walking forward itself is what does the trick. But that's not so. That's not so. This is something that's got to come from your innermost being, your spirit that has been made alive by Jesus Christ. And it doesn't matter who's watching or who's looking. If that's a true, genuine commitment, you're doing it to God, it's going to be done. And you don't have to get up and walk either. But if you're only sitting down because, well, I want people to see me that. Come on. Why are you going to do that? Just because he asked me? That's the wrong reason to be seated. No, what he's talking about here, it is something that responds to the Spirit of God who is alive in you, and he is tugging at that new life within you, and is vibrating, it's pulsating. I want to get out of you. This is Christ in you. I want to get out of you through the members of your body so all around could see what I look like in and through you. That's what it means to live as a living sacrifice. Without this conscious, deliberate, definite act on our part, we will never be able to experience God's will for our life, according to Romans 1. Because the only way that we will approve and demonstrate what is the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is if we are living like living sacrifices. That's what the text is saying. If we don't do this, we won't be walking wisely. We'll be walking foolishly. Notice the ongoing process. In Romans 12, verse 2, first he gives a negative aspect or a negative perspective. This is what he says. And do not be conformed to this world. Now, you see, this is how we show that we are living sacrifices, by not being conformed to this world. One translation says being pressed into the mold of the world. That is the world system, the world without Christ. Do not be conformed to this world. This is not the model for a Christian who desires to please God and to know His will. You cannot please God and you cannot know His will if you are being conformed to this world. But, but let me say something. Maybe I need to clarify that. We don't have to do anything to be conformed to the world. Why? Because our pressure, that mold, is being pressed upon us every day. All the time. You walk out the door, the pressures of the world. Turn on the TV, pressures of the world system. You talk to your friend, pressures of the world. It's coming on all the time, conforming us and shaping us. What the living sacrifice does is resist press of the world upon him. Oh, I like to call it the spiritual uh, uh, resistance. It's another word, but I forgot what it was. 
You remember in the World Wars, you had people who in the country, in Germany, were resisting? Remember that? And they were called what? The resistance, there's another word, but they, they're in the country and they were resisting, right? They were fighting against the conformity of the country of the nation. Underground resistance, all right. That's what we have to do as Christians. We must resist the world in which we live. Because we as believers are in the world, but we're not of the world. We're not molded and shaped by the world. Notice he goes on. How is this done now? Verse 2. But be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. This is what Dietrich talked about. That you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. This resistance is the process of transformation. The Greek word here is metamorphosis. It means to be completely changed into a new entity. Like from a caterpillar, an ugly, slimy, wiggly little insect into a beautiful, colorful butterfly. That's a metamorphosis. And this is the problem with Christians. Too many of us are still living like caterpillars. Not allowing the metamorphosis to take place because we do not want to resist the pressures of the world. Be ye transformed, be ye metamorphosized by the renewing of the mind. You talked about the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. We've got to exercise it. This is why the Word of God is so important. You know why many of us cannot live like Christ? Because we don't know how Christ lived. Because we don't know what the Scripture says about Him. That's the reason why. We don't know what the Scripture really teaches about being Christ-like. Oh, yeah. You have things that pass down to us, tabloid teaching, you know, little things come down. But we don't get it from the Word of God ourselves. This transforming process is a changing of our, causes a change in our behavior because of the inner work of the Spirit of God that changes, that alters, that radically metamorphosizes our lifestyle. A lifestyle is characterized by knowing the will of God and being glad that we are doing it in our lives. That's a wise person and not a foolish person. Here's some things that Paul says about a living sacrifice. Ephesians 4.22 This is how a living sacrifice person is to live on an ongoing basis. In reference to your formal manner of life, and I wish you would turn to it in your Bibles and have it so you can see it. In reference to your formal manner of life, that's before you became a Christian, before you became an informed Christian, you lay aside the old self. 
It's like taking off old, worn-out, dirty clothes that you don't want anymore. Old clothes that have been contaminated with, with, with some illness, some disease. You don't want to put it on anymore. Cast it aside. Take it off which is being corrupted in accordance with the lust of the seed. Now notice verse 23. And that you be renewed in the spirit of your what? Your mind. And the only word of God can bring that about. Now notice this. I'm going to read a little further. Verse 21. Put on the new self. See now this is a new change of wardrobe. Someone was telling me they watch this thing that comes on. What's the name? You don't dress like that or something? Um, what not to wear? Some Christians need to learn what not to wear. They need to go, I was going to say, on a shopping spree for new clothes, but these things, these clothing have already been given to us free. But we still hold on to the old stuff. Don't wear that. Put on the new. Notice, put on the new self, notice now, which in the likeness of God has been created in righteousness and holiness of truth. That's our new wardrobe, holiness and truth. Now read verse 25. I need to read all of these verses because these verses tell us practically, and I was going to save this for a whole new message, but... I'm going to run through it quickly. This, these verses describe how a living sacrifice lives day by day. Therefore, laying aside falsehood. In other words, you don't lie. You don't tell fibs. You don't tell white lies. Lay aside falsehood. Speak truth, each one of you, with his neighbor. Why? For we are members of one another. We shouldn't be lying to one another. We shouldn't be hypocritical towards one another, saying something nice to my face and you go behind me and you talk all kinds of bad things. That's not a living sacrifice kind of life. Be angry. Oh yeah, we could get angry. But you don't sin. And only the Spirit of God can enable us to do that. Be angry. There are some things we should be angry about. But we, we, we respond to it not by sin, but through the power of the Spirit of God in a way that we do it in a righteous way. Be angry and yet do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Now we like to say that's good for marriage people, and that's true. But that's good for every one of us. You have some anger, animosity towards me. Don't go home with it and let go down to bed. Go to bed with it. Why? Because you know who's going to sleep with you? The devil. You're going to see later on. He says, "Giving a foothold to the devil." And you think you're laying in your bed by yourself, but you're laying in bed with all of your anger towards me or anyone else, with the devil. And that's how sin begins. To cause a bitterness, a root of bitterness to spring up in your heart and your soul. That one little irritation, because you didn't deal with it, becomes a root of bitterness. And everything you touch, everyone you are in, in, involved with is contaminated with that root of bitterness. 
A person who is a living sacrifice, don't do that. Notice what he says now. Do not give the devil an opportunity, you see. He who steals must steal no longer. But rather he must labor, performing with his own hands what is good, so that he will have something to share with the one who has need. Now, the whole point of this is we should not only be concerned about helping ourselves by what we earn, but others as well. We should have concern for those members of the body who are hurting, because when one member hurts, all hurts. Notice now, do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. He lives within us. And every time we get off that altar, as it were, and we are not walking in the will of God, we sadden, we grieve the Holy Spirit. Now notice this one. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you with all malice. Now, this is where the tie hits the roll about doing the will of God. If we have any kinds of a problem or difficulty with anyone, especially members of the body of Christ, and we don't deal with it properly, we're walking foolishly. We're not walking in the will of God, and we're not living sacrifices. We are not living the way God wants us. I don't care how frivolous it may be. I don't care how much you think is deserved. But if you have any control, if you have any way of correcting it, then you're responsible for correcting it. That's the way a living sacrifice lives. And give ourselves as instruments of righteousness. Now here's this one. Be kind to one another. Just suppose that's the only one we observe tonight. That's all. Be kind. Now Steve, you think you'll change towards me? I put him on a spot. <laughs> I said, if we just put this into operation, be kind to one another, would that change your relationship with me? Oh, yeah. See, that means him being kind to me right now. <laughs> no, but isn't that true? I mean, isn't that true? We, we have something again, and we walk out, and you, shake, and you do like this. Or you go to the other aisles, just escape. See, all those things, all those things show that you're not walking right with God. You're not walking right. You're not being a spirit-filled Christian. It's clear as that. Tender-hearted. Forgiving each other. Just as God in Christ has also forgiven you. Now, that, that's one of the passages that I feel guilty all the time. But I also feel thank, thankful. Because, listen, if God keeps forgiving me for every time I sin, that's grace, isn't it? He says, I want you to be just like me. If that brother, that sister, sin against you, forgive. No strings attached. He forgave you. He could forgive because he paid the penalty for our sin. 
The debt has been paid. Now he's saying, I want you to do the same thing. If somebody hurts you, you take that hurt. Now see, this is where forgiveness gets difficult. Because forgiveness means paying the debt yourself that somebody else owes you. You hear that? They owe you, a, and it's a just debt. But forgiveness says, I'll pay it myself. That's what it means to forgive. Yeah, I forgive and I forget. That, you're not, not talking for forgiveness. You say, well, God says, hey, you remember my sins no more. He forgets. No, no, no. He just chooses not to remember. And there's a difference. You see, we can bring up the past with all of the hurt and the pains and the emotions with it. And every time we think about it, we feel like punching that person. I forgive you, but I forget it. That's no forgiveness. Forgiveness is what I like to call historical remembrance or recall. You could remember the incident historically, but you don't bring it back to you with all the pain and all the sorrow and all the things that go along with it. You remember it only to be thankful or to learn from it. You understand what I'm saying? That's how we maintain the living sacrifice status by living like this. Now there are many other things we could go to. But he says that old self, the old, the formal conversation, the old way of life is to be done away with. And here is an easy way of determining whether or not you are walking as a living sacrifice. If you do things with the same attitude and the same reasons today as you did before you were Christian, you're not walking in the Spirit. attitudes, all those old goals and purposes, all those actions have to be laid aside because all things have become new. All things have passed away. Notice what he says in Colossians 3. You have put on the new man which is renewed in knowledge after the image of him that created him. That's Jesus. Notice, you have put on the new man. Something has already been done. The goal now is to be conformed to the image of Christ. Listen once more to Scripture, 2 Corinthians 3. But we all, with open face, beholding as in a glass, the glory of the Lord. Now notice this. Here it is. Here it is. Here's how a living sacrifice lives. And we are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the Spirit of the Lord. That is ongoing consecration, being changed every day, every moment of the day, moving from glory to glory because we're coming more Christ-like every day because we've offered every member of our body as an instrument of righteousness to Him. That's the process of consecration. 
That's how we conform to the image of Christ. Hear once again the word of God. You will, now notice, be able to test and approve what God's will is. This is Romans 12 too. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. To test and approve means to experience and to accept. You're in the will of God, you're experiencing that, and you are pleased with it. You accept it because you know you're living the resurrected life of Christ in your life. Paul is clear then. It is only those who consecrate themselves as a living sacrifice to God who can know the will of God by actual experience. To all others, it's only theory. In fact, when we do this, we are experiencing the will of God immediately. It is such people who are wise and not foolish. Listen to 2 Corinthians 5. For the love, oh, let this, if you haven't underlined this verse, mark this wor- verse, please do it tonight. For the love of Christ controls us, having concluded this, that one died for all, therefore all died, and he died for all. Why? That they who live should do what? Should do what? no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Beloved, that's why we are living. Not for ourselves, but for God. That's why this body is to be presented to him as a living sacrifice. And then day by day, we offer each part to him. Because we belong to Him, we do not belong to ourselves. And whenever we live live for ourselves, we are outside the will of God. And so I ask you in closing, as I asked you when I began the message this morning, will you be a wise or a foolish Christian? It all depends on what you do with your redeemed body. Will you present it to God as a living sacrifice? I trust that you did already. Or will you keep it for yourself and offer it to Satan for the tool for evil? That's the only alternative. Your life and you leave here and the day after will tell what you've done. Whether you're wise, you're foolish, you experience the will of God or you're living for yourself. Tonight can determine your decision and what you will be. And so I ask you, will you resolve right now not to be foolish by presenting every member of your body to him now so that you can be continually being controlled by the Holy Spirit? Read this passage with me once again as we close. Romans 12. Please read it again. I exhort you, brothers.
Whose word is that? Are we only to hear or to obey as well? Go then and do what God has told you to do. Father, thank you for your word. Change and transform our lives by the power of the indwelling Christ. May we all be living sacrifices. And all of God's people said, Amen.